Osiris. Count to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. Welcome to the Lost Highway podcast, the podcast of all things Cosmic Country, now brought to you by Osiris Media, episode 53. <coughs> I'm a little bit sick under the weather this week. Had to cancel four shows. Uh, first time I've ever had to do so in my career as a musician, uh, as a touring musician. And uh, I really hate that. But sometimes life forces you uh, to take your energy, your patience, persistence, and positivity, and to place it in a way that is more static and more thought-based as opposed to more action-based deployment. And I'm all right with that. Uh, you have to be all right with that because uh, there's no point in going against the current. Uh, you will lose. I was at my friend's house the other day, and we were having some wine, and there was this book on top of his wine fridge by Ken Burns. And this was right after Tom D. Hall died. And we were talking about Tom D. Hall. It was freaky. And um, I'm going to tie this quote in from Tom D. Hall with Carl Jung, which is really cosmic country, I think. And uh, I've always loved Tom T. Hall. I haven't, we haven't spoken about it uh, since he passed on the, on the podcast here. Um, he wrote a book called Spring Hill, Tennessee, which is the town I'm from. Love that book. Love every song. I've listened to every Tom T. Hall song, every era. Seriously, I've dug it all up. Read all of his books, everything. I'm a huge fan of his. And I opened this Ken, book, Ken Burns book randomly. Just I've never seen the book before. I just randomly opened it. And it's a Tom T. Hall quote. Um, and this is the quote. And it's freaky. And it's synchronicity all around. This is the quote. I think there are archangels, and I think there are cosmic forces, cosmic forces, by way of human beings that hit the planet. Bill Monroe was one. There's just one Bill Monroe. There's just one Mark Twain. There's just one Einstein, one Hemingway. Boy, oh boy, man. And as we record this episode, Bill Monroe's birthday was yesterday. There are cosmic forces by way of human beings that hit the planet. What does that mean? I think that means that there is an authentic self, just as my friend Steve I was talking about here on episode 50 of the Lost Highway podcast, that there's an authentic self, there is a, there is a connection to a source that is trying to speak and discover itself through your actions and sentiment in physical, mental, and psychological being. And it's like, you have to allow that. Uh, and it's not an effort, it's not a matter of trying, it's not like a strenuous thing, it's a matter of allowance in that. Um, in this respect just allowing yourself to be the cosmic force that you are because you have the potential to be a fully realized cosmic force my friends and I really believe that and why do I think this is synchronicity the synchronicity principle um, a Carl Jung thing um, here's a quote from Carl Jung synchronicity is an ever present reality for those who have eyes to see it's an ever present reality for those who have eyes to see so if you're allowing yourself to see these things you can see synchronicity like leaves of grass, like mycelium of fungi, like an ever-present connection that we have into a collective subconscious, if you will. I think there are archangels and I think there are cosmic forces by way of human beings. Be the cosmic force that you are, my friend. Stay, stay patient. 
stay persistent, stay positive, even if you're sick and you're just at home eating chicken noodle soup watching Clint Eastwood movies. Keep on being the cosmic force that you are. Keep realizing yourself through the wonders of the universe and keep working hard and showing up every day because you get rewarded by the muse if you do. I'll see you all down the road. Cannot wait to get better. You're going to love this episode of the Lost Highway Podcast. Thank you all. My favorite artists are the artists that immediately transport you to their universe of self. Uh, the second that you, you hear a verse, you hear a lyric, you hear a note from them. Um, and Vincent Neil Emerson uh, is directly um, serving that energy to anyone who listens to his music. Um, he recently played a show here at a historic venue in Nashville called The Basement, which is a really small room. And I actually sat in with him and improvised with his band. It was really fun. And one of my favorite songs of his off his new album produced by Rodney Crowell called, um, the, the song is called High on the Mountain. And uh, we talked about the process he has with his songwriting, the process that has led him to become who he is, talked about combining abstract and philosophical thoughts with simple chord structures, and we really just hit it off, man. And we, we talked outside, which is really informal for a podcast. We weren't able to secure a location uh, scheduling-wise uh, to have a, a private soundproofed interview, but I actually think it lends to the vibe of this whole thing. And one of the most brilliant country and Americana artists on the scene today, Vincent Neil Emerson, only 29 years old, two full-length records out. Go check them out after checking out this interview on the Lost Highway podcast. Mr. Vincent Neil Emerson, everyone. Hey, hey, hey. Cool. Now we're on. You got that. That's how it is here, man. You got the caramel coat call. I saw you walking up with that. It was like, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> I love those. It's like so extreme. Reminds me of like being a child. Like, like when I'm on the road, sometimes I get into these stints, man, where it's like I am a child for three, four days with the shit I'm eating. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. into those zero bars. And, yeah. yeah, man. Eating, uh, what are they? Lunchables. Lunchables. Drinking high C. I can't eat those Lunchables. This might get you pretty bad. Are we rolling now? Are oh, we yeah, doing this on. right now? We're okay. On. Do just audio? Just audio. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just here today. Well, hell yeah. Usually I have a studio that I get yeah, podcasts out of, man. But today is the only day this whole month I can't I can't get into it. And we tried to connect last time you were in town. I think it was like back in May. Though. Yeah. Aside from last week you were here. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. We're here now. Yeah. Oh, Ram Doss. Yeah, very much so. Does that shit inspire your songwriting at all? Like, I listen to a song like Texas Moon or something like that. It's like, I can hear Texas in it. And there's also like some esoteric influence that must go on into your thought process. Or maybe some more spiritual or more awareness-based concepts. That Oh, maybe. You know, I think uh, with a lot of these new songs I've been writing, I tried to, uh, I, like I sat down to write a song, but I didn't have like an idea of what I was trying to write about. It was more like a, a just kind of letting things flow out, like a, a stream of consciousness kind of writing. You know, how does that work? I just sit down with a guitar and I come up with a melody, and then, you know, you know, sounds start coming out. Then a word comes out. Then another word comes out. Right. And just you know, write a couple lines, and you're like, Do you judge yourself while you're writing those lines, or you just let them come? I just let them come. Yeah. Really? You ever yeah. write lines like I can't believe that's actually happening? Why would I write that? Oh, he yeah, has some weird lines in there for sure. I think I got a line in there that's like something like uh, two fingers whiskey, don't mind if it's chintzy. 
What does that like, even mean? Chintzy is like a word for uh, cheap or like a poor quality. Chintzy. Chintzy. It's C-H-I-N-T-Z-Y. Chintzy. And I think I'd heard it somewhere. It's a it's a type of cloth over in England that they used back in the day that was just cheap cloth. Cheap cloth. But I end up, I put that word in there. I was like, this weird stuff comes about like that. Yeah. Because it's floating around in the subconscious. And when you go to write... It could be in there. Oh, and by the way, y'all, we are literally, that's Brighton. I think Brighton might be dying. Maybe. Might should pause this. Vincent's <laughs> toy manager. Hope you're, I hope you're all right, Brighton. I'm doing fine. All right. That's good. And Wild Will's here with us. <laughs> I would have brought more microphones if I knew the whole gang was here, man. Wild Will on drums. I have a Wild Will in the Cosmic Country band. He plays bass. Nice. Wild Will Mustang the B. He's got a mustache. Not as good as yours, though. My counterpart. It's a pretty fine mustache you got there, old son. Appreciate you. You ever, um, so, do you ever, like, do, when you do write, do you ever do it where it's just like, this one I'm going to do for, like, three days, because I'm just going to write, and then I'm not going to write for, like, a week? Oh, man, I'll go months without writing. No shit. Yeah. Do you judge yourself when you don't do that? Like, do I start feeling bad about not writing, or what? Well, judging. Not feeling bad, necessarily. Maybe you do feel bad when you judge yourself, but... You can also judge yourself and feel pretty good about yourself too. Like, right. Yeah. Right, I think like, I, I try to, you know, I just try to write whenever I feel like it's right, you know, as opposed to forcing myself, right. forcing yourself to sit down to write something. Cause when you force it, I mean, I just feel like you can, you can write a song. You can, you can get something out of that, but I mean, it's never going to be the same as like when that inspiration just strikes you out of nowhere. So it's kind of like that. I think John Prine said at one point, it was like, uh, yeah. You know, songs hit people every day. Like songs hit normal people that aren't songwriters. Like a mailman could be walking down the street and a song would hit him and he'd feel something like, oh, what was that? I don't know. And the song will bounce off of him and keep going down the road. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's something out there in the, you know, in the ether. In the ether. Maybe. That's how just it, reaching out and grabbing it. That's how know? it worked for John. That's how Sam Stone came. Mm. Like he just wrote that, right? And I love stories like that. Like, I like uh, the story of Poncho and Lefty, how Towns wrote that. The, you familiar with that? The dream story. That was a different song. I believe that one is If I Needed You. He was asleep when he wrote it. He like was dreaming that he was singing that song. Oh. And then he woke up and like wrote it down real quick, then went back to sleep. Get the fuck out. But this but Poncho and Lefty That's how though. Melissa was written too. Poncho and Lefty, he wrote that song about two Mexican bandits. Oh that he saw on the TV, but he didn't see them. He, he didn't see the show until like two weeks after he wrote the song. If that makes any sense. Like yeah. he wrote this song about these two bandits running around. Oh yeah. And then he saw it on TV two weeks later. He realized like, whoa, I wrote that song about them, but I hadn't even seen them at the time I wrote it. Mm. So weird stuff, you know? Yeah, man. What are your thoughts then on the recurring and ever-present archetypes that surround any storyline that is ingrained in our culture's morals that guide our art? It's like the hero's journey, right? Or like the two anti-heroes being the Mexican bandits. Yeah. Probably traveling and traversing some terrible shit in land and mm -hmm. terrible conditions and they come out on the other side winning, right? It's like there's always so many archetypes that, that you come across with all the time. It's like, it would make sense that someone that inspired as a writer would interact with that regularly. Yeah. Do yeah. you ever like 
Do you think you're writing about your own experiences sometimes? And do you, do you ever think you're just writing about a general experience that people have? The last record I did, Fried Chicken and Evil Women, I was definitely writing story songs, you know. Well, that was like, it it wasn't me. It was pieces of me intertwined within like stories I was coming up with, like the the title track, Fried Chicken and Evil Women. How do you let yourself have that funny of a title track? Like, how do you not take yourself seriously? I So I didn't even, I was going to, I don't even know what I was going to call it. I didn't have a title. And my manager, Travis, was like, Dude, we got he he had had the album cover designed with the title "Fried Chicken and Women." I was like, "That's badass! I'm down for that." You just trusted it, yeah. You just gotta trust, yeah, it. yeah. But this one, the new record, is very much it's about my personal experiences and really it's personal songs, you know. Uh, so as opposed to writing stories about other people, and you can slip your own your own feelings in between that. But with this new one, it's very much me, you know. And do you think other people, because it is you, when they, they listen to it, they can somehow, that's what Stapleton says, the, the songs you want to write are songs that people can make their own. It's like people might make your story their own story. Yeah, for sure. And I love that about the old school country scene, you know, is they would, people would have these songs, somebody would write a great song and yeah. then everybody would cut it. Crazy. Or like ones. one person would cut it and make it their song, you know. Right, right man. Who is that? Uh, who's that guy that Buck Owens cut all of his songs? He cut a lot of his songs. <laughs> Amazing writer. Uh, oh, I don't know. Let me look it up. This record is a is a great example of that man. It's like, say Buck Owens, Buck Owens. Oh, Harlan Howard. I didn't mean to look it up. You know Harlan, Harlan Howard? Harlan Howard. Yeah. 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 That guy wrote "Heartaches" by the Number. It's an immense amount of songs. I mean, it's like. And it's like, yeah, you could totally see that. Or like Crazy Arms, like Ray Price. It's like. Or who's the old boy who wrote Ralph a lot of the Grateful that. Dead songs? Robert Hunter. Robert Hunter, yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people covered those. They cover Friend of the Devil. That's like a, it's a pretty widely covered song. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much like a folk standard now. Yeah. Heartache, like fooling around. <laughs> I think that's Ralph Mooney on Steel. It's like. You ever get a steel player? I've had a couple steel players, yeah. You would be insane they're so hard player. to keep, though, they especially are. living in Dallas and Fort Worth. They're hard to find over there. You live there. in it's, Dallas? I live in Fort Worth. Okay. But, I mean, the DFW area, you know, playing in that music scene, it's so hard to find pedal steel players. You know? Oh, yeah. It ain't like Nashville, I think. What the fuck is that? going on up there? Oh. Oh, bummer. A little false rain happening above us. False rain. False rain. Bad False rain sounds like a Robert Hunter lyric. Might be, yeah. <laughs> it does. It's trippy. It's magic realism. Might have to write that one, man. Do you know Paul Cawthon? I love Paul Cawthon. How yeah. do you not? He's a good buddy of mine. I've Is known he? him for a long time now. Yeah. Okay, man. Because he's a da- he was a Dallas guy. Now he's a Tyler. Well, he's from, he's from Tyler. Did yeah. he move back there? I guess he, he did, his huh? house that he grew up in. With yeah. His mom. That's awesome, man. And he fixed it up. And it's it's really cool. Man, I wish that noise wasn't happening, but it is. That's we can okay. take a break for a minute and let yeah. it... Yeah. Let's do that. They won't care. Yeah. All right, we're good. I think we're back. Yeah, man. So Paul bought the house that he grew up in, in Tyler, and he married a beautiful woman, Elizabeth, who is just like him. Yeah. 
It's like you get in a room with them together. We were just playing at um, what's that barbecue spot, Tyler? That like always has great artists coming through. Oh, I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. I've heard I'm sure of it. You picked there. I haven't. Okay. I have So I'm from East Texas myself, but I haven't played. I've only played a handful of shows over there. You yeah. know, I don't know why that is. Do you like playing Austin? I love Austin, man. Austin's yeah. wild. It is. It yeah. is a wild city, man. We just did six shows there. Yeah. Damn. Back in May. In a row? Five in a row. Oh, shit. Nice. Five in a row. Right next to Stubbs at this place called The Green Jay. It was our first weekend really being open. Well, they had like one show before, but it was after the Black Pumas. Mm. It was a great rock and They're roll great, Texas man. Band. Yeah, yeah, man. And it's like, Austin's crazy. It's a lot like a, like it's like a fish show almost. Like, you can see a lot of people there. Oh, dude, there's so yeah. many crazy people in Austin. It's yeah. awesome. And the, yeah, it's like Nashville has that vibe too, where it's like, there might be a guy in Birkenstocks and, and tie-dye singing along to like a Waylon Jennings song. Yeah. And then there's like, Hell know, yeah. Like, well, that's so backwards of what you think Texas normally would be on a social level. Like, Texas is responsible for some of the most authentic American music that's ever. Oh, for Bob sure. Wills and, Bob Wills, yeah. Yeah. And all those dudes are like, you know, in, in a way, they were kind of hippies themselves. Like, yeah. Bob Wills and all them boys were smoking weed like crazy. Fuck yeah, they, they were. They were into that jazz, the jazz shit, you know, the jazz smoking, scene. Oh, that's great. They were, you know they were too. blowing down. They were smoking all kinds of crazy weed. Maybe not, maybe not the best quality weed, but. They're smoking Mexican weed for sure. For sure. That bricks, brick weed. Yeah, the brick. Yeah. 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 Mexican red? Is that what that's called? Mexican red. Would you look at what's crazy, man, about Texas is you take someone like Willie Nelson, right? Who is so Texas. Like, you could be the most hardcore conservative right wing Texan and just love Willie Nelson. (laughs) What makes Willie Texas? Because I agree with his song. He wrote some of the best songs in the world, but. He's I I don't know it's a it's a weird kind of anomaly because he's a very he's a hippie for sure you know he's himself yeah. yeah it's like yeah but that's Texas it is yeah yeah the ideal that America's founded on is the fact that at least one of them right like and I feel like this I'm a, again I'm a dumbass I don't know but it's like it seems like you have a real chance to really be the best version of yourself here more than any other country so you really do like we encourage that here. And then, like, Texas is that times 10. It's like, you go and be the best fucking independent person you can be and have a family and do good in the world, man. Yeah. It's like, there's so much wild shit in Texas because the laws are just, you do you. There's, like, more private tigers in Texas than there are wild tigers. <coughs> you know, we know we actually have uh, we have Texas snow monkeys. You heard of this? <laughs> what is this? Down in the hill country, man. They had, like, a... They brought in a bunch of Japanese snow monkeys and they had like sort of a a sanctuary for them. And then they, it was uh, like on land that didn't really have any enclosure. So it was all these monkeys started breeding like crazy and they got, they overpopulated the area. Of course. And Texas declared open season on snow monkeys at one point (laughs) out in the hill country. Yeah. So you get some langua and some snow monkey. Some snow monkey. With snow monkey tacos. Cilantro and onion only. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll do some snow monkey and Topo Chico. It sounds pretty good. It actually does sound pretty good, don't it? (laughs) I bet you could barbacoa up a snow monkey not too bad. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I would go corn. I would go corn tortilla with a snow monkey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bet it's lean meat. I bet it's not. Maybe. More venison. Maybe. It is Wagyu. Maybe there's a fatty part of the snow monkey. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) So on on a show like tonight, it's like, are you going to play some songs that you played last week? 
Yeah, I'm gonna play the same set list. I think I might no throw shit. in a couple new things, but interesting. You yeah. usually do the same set list. I don't. I didn't used to, but now the new songs, I kind of want people to hear all the new ones. Right. And I mean, I could I could switch up the order of them, I guess. But either way, I'm like, you know, I just want people to hear those the new songs. So, yeah. Wow, man. So, okay, when you go to make this record. And you already had success from the first record. Does it change your process? Does it change your your approach to it? Does it change the stakes in any way? Do you analyze yourself more? Man, I think uh, when I wrote the first one, I was kind of destitute. Didn't really have anything. Okay. You know, and uh, I wrote yeah. all those songs, and and uh, we made a record out of them. And uh, over the quarantine, you know, I kind of was in the same spot, like destitute. Like I thought my life was over, so I started writing really? all these songs. Well, yeah, I think uh, my career, I mean, we all dealt with it. It's, it's, you did. I'm not special in that, but right. it's all, it felt like everything was falling apart. Yeah. So, I mean, I was in a similar place that I was when I wrote the first one. So, yeah, the process was the same, I guess, in some ways. Destitute process. <laughs> yeah. You're living high now, dude. You got Coke and coffee, you got caramel, you got two sold out shows. That's pretty cool. Yes, sir. Dude, I'm so stoked to see you, man. I feel like you're an artist. Like, my favorite kind of music is when I can listen to it on Spotify, and then I go see the show, and it feels the same. And it's like there's so much music where that that is not the case, man. And it's like your shit is so real in that way. I appreciate you, man. When you go to make a record like that, are you overproducing, or are you, are you thinking, or are you just doing three takes and like? Well, we had Rodney Crowd producing this one. I love Rodney. Yeah, Rodney lives in Spring Hill. Yeah, which, which I don't know if I should say. It. it doesn't matter yet. There's a lot of houses. Yeah, in I think he, I'm not sure exactly. Does he live in Spring Hill? That's where I grew up, man. And no shit. I went over to his house one time. We were picking some guitar. Man, his uh, you go and you look at his wall and all those BMI awards. Yeah. It's like oh yeah, he's got that giant wall of books too in his living room. Yeah. Yeah. Did he still have those small dogs? He's. I didn't see any dogs there when oh, I was there. Hope they didn't die. Hope they didn't die. Damn. That's always sad when a dog dies. Yeah. My chihuahua died when I first moved out of the house once, man. It was so sad when a dog died. Yeah. You have a dog for 10 plus years. And it's like, yeah. it's like a person dying briefly. briefly. My mom had a chihuahua for like 15 years. Can I ask a question about chihuahuas from, sure. a, from a Texan? Sure. Okay. First music festival I ever played was in Norway. But the, the second and third one I ever played, we were in Mexico and they were a place called Todos Santos. Which is uh, off the Baja and the Cordovas. You know that band? Yeah. They throw this festival called um, Tropic of Cancer. And you go, it's free. They pay for your food and lodging, but you don't get paid anything. <laughs> and the show scheduling is just totally fucked up. It's like no one ever gets it right. So you'll be going on at like 2 a.m. Mm. They're doing like a Grateful Dead set at 2 a.m. Then like play at 9 a.m. in the hotel lobby or something crazy. But man, I would go on this run from the hotel I was staying at called um, Hotel California. And I would run about maybe two and a half miles, three miles. It was a long run. Right into this graveyard, right? And it's a Mexican graveyard. You know, so it's Catholic. and has all these burning candles. And the aesthetic of the graveyard is handled in a way that's much more enthusiastic and hopeful than, like, your traditional graveyard that's, like, next to a pilot now. Right, <laughs> like yeah. Like, exit 76. Where it's all, it's like a chain link fence around it. Yeah. But, man, every fucking day, 
these big Mexican chihuahuas would just come out of this like agave plant and just try to like nip at your heels. Oh shit. And I realized, man, like a Mexican chihuahua is way different than like a cultivated, domesticated American. I got I don't think I've ever seen a Mexican chihuahua then. So are they? What'd you say, bro? Taller and big or what? Their hood is fuck. Right and got it. They're hood ass hood ass dogs. (laughs) They travel in packs too. So they're big? Like, what do they look like? They're about the size of this pelican case. And they weigh a lot. But they look like a chihuahua? Yeah, it's like a Mike Tyson chihuahua in a way. Oh, damn. Like, it wants to fuck you up. Just looking for an excuse. You know what I mean? Well, hot damn, dude. Hope I don't run into any crazy chihuahuas. I'm wondering, man. So maybe you, that's what I wanted to ask. It's like, I'm sure East Texas got some Mexican chihuahuas. Y'all got snow monkeys. Yeah, I don't (laughs) know. a Mexican (laughs) chihuahua made its way. I haven't seen any. There are wild packs of dogs that that roam Fort Worth, though. Yeah, the city. Right. That's a lot of cities, In though. Fort Worth, really? Yeah. Oh. Me and my uh, girlfriend at the time were. This is way back in the day. We were uh, driving down the road, leaving a bar, and we saw these dogs running down the street. Chasing it's like all wheels. kinds of different dogs, like be like a pit bull and like a little little terrier or something. It's like all these crazy dogs were like running through the streets. There's like twenty of them. <laughs> So we started following them like, what the hell is going on? Right. And they lost us at one point. And we're trying to find them. And we come around this like field and we take a left and we look. And then one dog pops up and starts running. And then all the other dogs pop up out of the grass and start following. Whoa. Like they had ditched us and they had all laid down, synchronized, just laid down in the grass to hide. Right. Crazy. That you can't say a dog's not a pack animal. Like Hell no. Yeah, they are. They, they are. They're wired to operate in a hierarchy that way and have a leader and to kill things. Like, they're, they're, oh, yeah. they want to do that. Yep. It's like, our dogs are treated weird when you start getting to the city and you start seeing these, like, obnoxiously small dogs that have breathing problems in Starbucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their tongues, like, sticking out the side of their mouth. It's like. It's inbreeding is what it is. The whole dog breeding thing is super fucked up, man. Humans are so weird. Like, yeah. We just want to change things. Yeah. I can yeah. just take dogs as they are. Right. You know, keep them outside. And, you know, we did have a nice chihuahua, man. He was good. He was a good dog. He was so not a chihuahua. Those Mexican chihuahuas would have fucking destroyed his ass. Like, yeah. it, it would have been terrible fate for well, Fredo. Whatever it was that the Mexican chihuahuas have, it was bred into the little ones that we have because, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're fearless, dude. They're insane. <laughs> Like, it's always little chihuahuas that try to fight the biggest dog, you know? Yeah, I've noticed that. The, the dog that has no chance thinks it has the most. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the deal with that is. It's got to be some, some, you know, some deep ingrained uh, in their DNA, I well, guess. We share all that. We share a, a lot of our, um, like, our nervous system is shared in a deep, deep way with a lot of living other animals, man. Yeah. We share serotonin. The whole evolution whole thing is insane, man, yeah. The whole evolution thing. Is insane. That is very true. That's very real. Evolution's real. It's also think about this with music too. It's like, you know, not getting into like the biological sense of evolution, but just as just as an artist, how often you're changing. It's like how do you go about like do you listen to a lot of music when you're traveling? Do you listen to like you listen to podcasts? Like how do you what's your data consumption like? Well, when I'm traveling by myself, I don't listen to anything. You see, yeah. I just I don't have I don't have the radio on any music or anything. I just stare at the road, right. kind of meditate, you know. But I've been rolling with these boys in the in the van and the van and uh, the boys in the band in the van. 
And they've been, you know, they put on all kinds of crazy music, like listen to like, you know, screwed up clicks and like some South Texas, like uh, some Houston rap or maybe like Houston some crazy rap, yeah. punk rock or, or like a lot of classic country. But yeah. Houston rap's the whole thing. Oh, yeah. DJ Screws Black Wait, yeah. let me think. I think DJ Screw is the guy I know, dude. Yeah, he's, he's started, he's started Get you another with cigarette. His old style music. He's a legend in the South. Yeah, we played down in Houston not too long ago. We stopped by the uh, the DJ DJ Screw store. That's who I'm looking for. Right, dude. Yeah, yeah, my mind went blank. Pimp the pen. Yeah, dude. Big Mo, DJ Screw, Big Hawk. Yeah, all these guys are dead. So I put him around the middle with the legends. So you're the guy who takes all the photos of Vincent. Well, I try to take photos of Vincent. Sometimes it must be Wild Will or somebody else. It's whoever will pick up a camera and take a photo of me. Dude, you got some, you put a lot of thought into what you wear or are you just that fucking cool? No, I just wear what I, you know, I just find clothes that I think are cool. Are you trying outfits on or is it first draft each day? First draft, man. <laughs> Here's one song that I, I heard on your record. Uh, you sent it to me on like a SoundCloud link. Oh yeah, yeah. Out. And it was a high on the mountain, brother. Yeah. Is that actually you being? Are you high? Oh, that was a so. Is that actually? That's what I wanted to know. Yeah, that was. I mean, it's sort of like a metaphor for whatever. But yeah. it's it was inspired by this time that I was playing in Amarillo and we vis- we took a hike through Paladero Canyon. And Where's we, that? Paladero Canyon is just outside of Amarillo. Okay. So they have it's like the mini Grand Canyon. Know, of Texas, it's pretty cool. And uh, we were climbing up this giant hill. And we got to the top and we just lit a joint and kind of looked at everything. And I remember I just kind of always had that in the back of my head. And then I sat down to write a song one time. I was like, remember that one time I was high up on that mountain? You know. Also, it's, it's like the bluegrass thing, high on the mountain. You know. I know it's like that's the archetype. Cause yeah. Like, think of how many songs go into that song. Old man from the mountains coming down. Yeah. Fire on the mountain in some way. Yeah. Go tell it. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. The Mountain by Steve Earle. I don't know that one. It's good. What's that one? Feeling All Right by Steve Earle. You know that one? I love that song. I yeah. I love that song, man. I Feel All Right or Feeling I, All Right? Is it I Feel All Right? I Feel All Right Tonight. That is it. Yeah. I heard that on a movie the other day. I think it was on Talladega Nights. Was it? I oh, think- they did have a lot of Steve Earle. I think they had Steve Earle on Talladega Nights. Hey, what's up, guys? You know anybody's here yet? Uh, I, I don't, we haven't seen anybody here yet. Oh, really? Yeah. We're actually, we're just doing an amazing podcast. Right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. So no, you're good. I like your Mickey Mouse shirt, though. Mickey Mouse one of the best things ever. Oh, hell yeah. You got a little boy, right? I do, yeah. Does he like Mickey Mouse? Uh, he likes anything at this point. He's so young. He's only nine months old. So. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Seeing you're gone a lot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that's got to be a, a interesting thing to have to um, yeah, dynamically agree with. Yeah, well, we we decided to have a child, you know, and uh, kind of went in it went went into it knowing that I'm going to miss out on a lot of things, but you know, this is the career path that I chose, so yeah. I don't know what else I'm going to do. Right. You know. Right. How old are you? I'm 29. Oh, dude, you're so young. Yeah. That's fucking. Insane. How old are you, man? 27. 27. Yeah. yeah. You're young as hell, too. Yeah, we both are. Yeah. That's way young, man. You're so actualized and realized in your writing. When I appreciate that, man. It's Thank real, you. though, brother. It really is, man. To be that young and to write songs that are that you. 
Well, I think about it like look back at Bob Dylan's first album, you know, or his second album when he was writing songs. Yeah. Like he was like 19 or 20, you know. That's insane. Can't even comprehend that. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just trying to catch up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Same with like, um, man, it's like we listen to those early Willie Nelson songs that he was writing before he was Willie. Like, you know, he was moving to Nashville. And, yeah. And he had the the square haircut and there's like, Willie Nelson country concert live 1964 like crazy era before the acoustic guitar that he bought at Roberts like different different evolution going on there right crazy thing about Willie though is he was already sort of you know he was old by the time he was like got really well known in his 40s yeah yeah he's man <laughs> Willie's Willie's old as hell Willie is old he's old he was just out playing right I think he just announced another tour not too long ago. Wow. Which is, we were all super worried about him uh, because he'd canceled everything and wasn't playing shows and just word going around that he wasn't feeling good. But he announced another tour and he's getting back at it. Good, man. He's texting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had the uh, the uh, uh, honor of playing his picnic over quarantine. Yeah. This is a weird deal, man. Like, never thought I'd be able to play Willie Nelson's 4th of July picnic. And I didn't expect it to go down the way it did because it was, it, it was digital. Yeah, it was, a, it was a live stream, but it was from his ranch. So you went there. So I went to his ranch. Yeah, uh, and Luck. Luck. The Luck, yeah. Oh. Luck Ranch. You've been to the bar right down the road from it and it's all just Willie Nelson world in there. Uh, What's the name of that one? Ain't Pooties, is it? I think it is. I think it's a funny name. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been there yet, but... The Luck Ranch is a magical place. It is, man. That's pretty crazy. So you did the live stream there. How'd that I go did. Down? I played in the chapel. I did the solo oh, set in the chapel. And there was a chapel. whole crazy video crew that was filming everything. And, you know, and my buddy Charlie Crockett played, too. I Sleep at the Wheel played. A bunch of, bunch of people played, but uh, it Charlie's was very... Charlie's powerful. He is, man. That guy's... He's something else, dude. Yeah, he is. He's Charlie. I've known him since, uh, I mean, I can't, like, I guess seven years now, maybe. Were you writing songs then, seven years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I was, but, uh, you know, I don't think they were very good. <laughs> Did you uh, think they were good at the time? I don't know what I was thinking at the time, man. I don't even remember, <laughs> right. honestly. <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah, I probably was like, oh, this song's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to cut this one one day. You were cutting records then. I was trying to. I think, uh, I'm trying to remember when I cut Fried Chicken and Evil Women. That wasn't that long ago. But yeah, I was trying to make records. When did that record come out? That one came out in 2019. So two years ago. You were 25. You were 27 when that record came out. Yeah. That was amazing songs for 27, man. I, I wrote most of those songs when I was 21 and 24, between the ages of 21 and 24. What's your thought of like, your lyrics are just so not, they're relatably poetic. They're not like abstractly poetic. It's like very much in the Tom T. Hall. Like, I can't believe he pulled that much beauty out of something I've just been walking past every day. Oh, yeah. That kind of a thing. What is that thing like, you know, I, I always love Billy Joe Shaver's songwriting. And his, he's the same way. He's kind of like very simple and, and the vocabulary he's using ain't too crazy or anything. It's not super abstract, like you said, but it's, it's plain and simple, and it's to the point, but it's, you know. It's hard. Yeah. Do you find a challenge in writing simple lyrics like that? 
I, I certainly yeah. do with believing it like when I sing it back to myself. Well, just the idea of writing a song using the, the chords G, C, and D, you know, that's how do you make that new? You don't. Yeah. I think uh, mm-hmm. what I've been trying to focus on is, is try to write uh, what I feel as opposed to try to write going out of my way to write something like worrying too much about, oh, is this original or is this new? Because it's all, to me, it's all in the vein of folk music. It's all, okay. it's all folk music, you know. Everything's already been done. Right. You know, to an extent, like, really. So, everything's been done, then what do you do? Yeah, you don't worry about trying to be original. You just write your story or what you're feeling, you know. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Easier said than done. Right, right. Uh, do you draft songs? Or is it just pretty much like when you write it, there it is, it's done. Yeah, I've had a couple of times where I've, you know, went back and reworked a whole lot of things, but those those ones that you have to spend too much time on are never, they never turn out the way you want them to. Really? So I think, like, if I can't if I can't finish the song in a day, I'll just scrap it. Really? Yeah. If you can't sometimes, finish a song in a day. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time, yeah, but sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes I'll get like a piece of a song done and literally I won't have enough time to finish it. So then I'll be like thinking about it and I'll come back to it. Love that. But it's not like I can't spend a whole day working on something and then be like, well, this isn't where I want it to be. And then come back and spend a whole nother day where it's like, it's a waste of time, I think, you know. Mm. But maybe some people find a lot of use out of that uh, method. I don't know. know? I think they do. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. That's the thing that's so alluring about this for, you know, I think for me and a lot of people, it's like music will create an effect on us that's rather similar. We love it. We want to go see it. But the way that, that you can get to that music to where you can perform it, there's a million and one ways. Like everyone's got a different way of thinking and going about it. You know? Yeah. That's the thing I'm so interested in, man. You know, so like Paul, he's like a fast writer as well. But then you hear of like Robert Hunter, not a fast writer. Yeah, you know? and it's like, okay, well then why? And it's like, well maybe it's like you got to know yourself. And like that's part of it is like understanding what your patterns are and taking time to feel with that. So like, do you write at a certain time of the day? You know, I know Tom Tom T Hall has this book called the Songwriter's Book or something like that. It's an amazing book. You really a Johnny Cash contributed to it. It's fucking amazing. Oh read. damn, I got to read that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'll send you a copy. Yes, yeah. Songwriter's Handbook is what it's called. It's like the rules. He talks about publishing. Oh, shit. Like back in the day, and he has like an open, like, I guess this was before, like you go on BMI and like register your songs or whatever your PRO is. And it was like, <clears throat> he like literally like took a, like a fax report of a song registration sheet. You see it. It's like back in the 80s. Like a different world. But he was talking about that. Yeah. So ahead of his time. But he says he would write every day between like 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Oh, wow. That's it. Four hours, three, four hours without unbroken consciousness. Do you have a certain method that you do with that? Man, that's funny you said that 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. thing because I I used to do the same thing. That's When I was writing this record, the new one, I would sit in my shed in my backyard. I got get started like at 10 p.m. And sometimes I would just write all night until the sun came up. And, uh, yeah, so it was a lot of... I was a few, well, I, I was smoking a lot of weed when I was riding fried chicken eat women. Yeah. But this one, I was just like chain smoking cigarettes and staring, Cigarette. staring at the wall. Hey, Nicotine it's not hits good for different you. than 
than the weed does. It's like, oh yeah, I like the pens. Down at the fish shows this week, and my friend, we we were going to buy <laughs> Topo Chico from a from this like gas station that was just filled with wooks. And there's like icy slurpees all over the floor. Oh, and people yeah. with like no shoes on. Sorry, man. It was like, <laughs> it was fun. You know, everyone loved it. And uh, except the people who were stocking their shelves. And he got me this bitty pen. I don't know if you ever tried that. It's like a vape pen. It's like not a cigarette. Nicotine vape pen or Nicotine what? Nicotine vape yeah. pen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've, I've I've had a couple of those, but you know nothing hits like cowboy killer, son. Dude, I think the the vape pens are worse. Like as far they as your nicotine worse. intake, it's way more nicotine. It's crazy. Oh yeah, that's what people want, though. We yeah. want worse. We always yeah. want more and worse things. Everything that's like, good is bad for you. You know. Yeah. That's what it seems like sometimes. And everything that's bad's real cheap and fast. Yeah, yeah. Like, so man, so you're writing like okay, you're chain smoking. I know that's how Tyler Childers likes to write. Oh yeah, yeah. David Lee Roth too gets and Charles Bukowski, you know, just sit there and chain smoke and chain ride. smoke cigarettes. Yeah, I've never tried that approach, man, because I fucking hate cigarettes. I should try the pen. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, it's more like a uh, uh, the crippling nicotine addiction is like there's something about like smoking. If you're addicted to yeah. nicotine, like just smoking the act of smoking or like. I don't think that has anything That's to different. do with the writing. I mean, I could have sat there and drank Topo Chico's. I could have sat there and like eaten candy the whole time or something. I don't think uh, that it had anything to do with the writing, but I just happened to be where I was at, you know? Damn. Let's pause one more time. Sorry, dude. hate that. Oh. What is this? So I got... Walking. Yeah, dance all night, dance a little longer. Pull off the coat, throw it in a cone. Don't see why you can't stay a little longer. Wow. Get in the way, Willie. Oh, yeah. Well, you can't go home. Gone by the mill. There's a bridge washed out at the bottom of the hill. Plow my cone with a double shovel. Dance all night, dance a little longer Pull off your coat, throw it in a cone Don't see why you don't stay a little longer oh. Hell yeah That's beautiful, man. What a great guitar. I can feel the songs. Yeah, I wrote a lot of songs on that one. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. You find certain ones speaking, I'll put it back in the case. Oh, yeah, sure. You find certain ones speak to you more than others with, with writing? You know, I used to. I had like I've had a a, a handful of really nice guitars. I think, but I think it's just a material thing. It is something I special so about too. having a nice guitar. But at the end of the day, it's a piece of wood with some wires attached to it. You know. I'm so glad you arrive at that conclusion. So do I. It's like <laughs> yeah, because people are always asking because I think they want to like project the idea that something can be attained through an external object. You know, I can buy yeah. something and I'll I'll be there or I'll I'll sound like this and it's like. To a degree. Yeah. So really the thing that you authentically are wanting and are desiring is for you to find that within yourself. To be able to write a song on a guitar, play it, pick up a guitar and play some shit on it that moves you. Like, yeah. That's within you, man. Yeah. What's your, like, so you obviously put in a lot of work or something. Like, 
Your songs are just so transportative, man, for being so young. I can't believe that. Freaks me out. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank Damn, you. Damn, man. Damn. When did you start writing? Uh, around the time I was like 18 and 19. That's so young. <clears throat> I'd learned... What? I'd started to learn how to play the guitar when I was about 16, 17, but I never really took it seriously. And then mm-hmm. uh, around, the, around the time I was 18, I started mm-hmm. trying to write, you know, write songs. And, and then uh, through my 20s, I really learned how to, you know, write a song. Thank you for that Thank topo, you, sir. Wow, Will. Has that shirt become unbuttoned since I saw you last? No, I saw it. Oh! I did not check that up. That was not on purpose. That was. Hope that mic's still working okay. <laughs> I think it is. This is a, this is the dirtiest podcast yet. I told He's you he was going to get wet. <laughs> he did. What's the deal with that back, with that pearl snap on the back of your shirt? How does that work? Ventilation. Appalation? Ventilation. Ventilation? Is that for Appalachian ventilation. Yeah, no, that's pretty. <laughs> That's John Briney. For you know, for the folks listening at home, we are on the the patio of the basement. I love it. This beautiful little bar down in Nashville, Tennessee. Owned by Mike Grimes, man. Yeah, yeah. Grimey. You know Grimey? I do. He's a cool guy. He is a cool guy. A lot of history has happened on this uh, on this patio. Nashville history. Oh yeah. A lot of cocaine done in these bathrooms, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> a lot of cocaine. A lot of uh Done mushrooms back here a couple times. Nice. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. It's a good one, man. It's a part of Nashville that's unchanged, the basement. Yeah. There's so much changing. It's mm-hmm. like Austin. Yeah, Austin's forever changing, man. Forever changing, yeah. They have so many Nashville bars, too. so many like famous places in Austin that have moved locations several different times. Yeah. Where do you play when you play Austin? Antones? Uh, I played Antones once. Or twice, um, I played. I played a lot of a lot of places down in Austin. I don't think we really have one that we right. go back to over and over again. But there is the White Horse. That's like oh yeah. I almost forgot. That's like my favorite honky tonk in Texas. The White Horse is awesome, man. Right next to the Snow Monkey. Yeah, right next to the Snow Monkeys. Oh, that's great, man. Well, um, one more thing I want to ask you, brother, is uh. When you go to produce this record with Rodney Crowell, how does that happen? Does Rodney approach you, or is that you reaching out to him? Is that like your management saying, hey, Rodney was shaking? <laughs> well, uh, you're doing shows with him, you know? It's, I hope so soon. Uh, it started with uh, me writing these songs, and I was demoing the songs out. They got sent to David Macias from, from 30 Tigers. 30 Tigers, right. He was like, let's make a record, let's find a producer. Uh, let's find an awesome producer. Okay. And he sent him to Rodney, and Rodney doesn't produce a whole lot of records. You know, is that because he doesn't want to, or he just doesn't do that? I just, I don't know. I'd have to ask. You'd have to ask him. Cut it at Sound Emporium, right? Roommate. Yeah, Sound Emporium. So he heard the songs and were you in the big gave room? Gave me a call. Yeah, we were in the main, in the the big room. That's where I cut my record too. Man. Nice. A lot that of place has some magic records. in it. Oh my god, man. Yeah. Owned by Cowboy Jack Clement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a magical studio. It's a good documentary. I believe it's called. Uh, oh yeah, Sh- something about Shakespeare. What's it called? I don't Sh- know. Shakespeare doesn't. I don't remember the name. It's good though. Shakespeare didn't do this. That's Bukowski. It's like Hank Williams Senior. Hillbilly Shakespeare. Oh, Shank- Shakespeare was a uh, Hank Williams fan or something like that. I can't oh. remember the title exactly. I wouldn't put it past him to be a to be a Shakespeare fan. 
or Hank Williams fan. For sure, no Hank Williams did not dig Shakespeare. I can, <laughs> I can imagine that at least. I'm going to Google to see exactly what it is. Doing some light Googling over here. <laughs> light to moderate Googling. And I got no service. Light to moderate Googling. <laughs> I think it's Shakespeare was a Hank Williams fan. Something like that. But It's, it's about, about Cowboy Jack. It's about Cowboy Jack, yeah. He's a trippy guy. Yeah, I wish I would have got to meet him, man. That'd be I cool. know. I know. It's a trippy guy. Yeah. There's trippy cosmic people from Nashville. Chet Atkins being one of them as well. Cherry Reed. Yeah. Not from Nashville, but, you know, worked in Nashville. Yeah. Their thing. It's like, well, he was in town for a little while. Yeah. Willie might be the most cosmic, man. I... Yeah, Stardust. Sure. Stardust. That record. That record. It's a good record to fall asleep to. I know. Just put that on and just drift out. You like the new uh, Frank Sinatra covers record he did? I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. I wonder if it's his last record and he's making a joke about it. That's life. It's done. I heard he's That's making it. a new record. Okay. See, he doesn't stop. No. I wonder what like his what thoughts are and just not stopping. He probably, why stop? He probably doesn't know any other way to be than besides making records, you know? Well, I, I wonder how many albums he has so far. Over 100. A lot. Over 100, yeah. Without question. Over 100 records at least. You think least. about that. It's like he's 87 now, I think. You know, how many records a year do you have to make and to make that happen? You know, like right. four, five. That's a lot of records. I don't know, man. They can't be all good. I think they are all good. I Even think Country Man's good. Yeah. Uh, the Willie Way. There's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of like compilation records or like a lot of them. Yeah. The re recordings or whatever. Right. Like Hello Walls. Those kinds of This is Willie Nelson. Greatest tips records, you know. Yeah. I mean, the Honeysuckle Rose, the live album is a force. That movie is a force, dude. I love that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, that's man. good. What are your thoughts on Willie in New Balances? I like that look. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, that's the move. Hell yeah! Yeah, that is this comfort comfort over you know fashion, but he made them fashionable. He did. Uh, yeah, he did make them. All of a sudden, you see Sturgill Simpson on the on the, the Tonight Show wearing a pair of New Balance five seven fours or whatever, you know. Like, so you know wearing, your fashion, dude. New, you know a your pair of New Balances and a damn Wrangler, a Wrangler cowboy cut shirt. You know, it's like that's the look right there. It was all Texas right up until the New Balance five seven four. Well, I don't think everybody yeah, in Texas need. wears cowboy boots. That's the thing, you know. There's Every, a lot of cowboy. Everybody boots. thinks that we all ride. We all ride <laughs> cows to school. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> riding cows to school. In some places you go, some towns in, in uh, you know, in Texas, you'd be wearing a cowboy hat in a bar. People will look at you like, what's the cow? Oh, what's up, cowboy? How you doing? Like, make fun of you and shit. Maybe like in Dallas. Maybe, yeah. You definitely stick so out walking around in Deep Ellum wearing a cowboy hat, that's for sure. Deep Ellum. Yeah. Like trees? Have you been to trees? Yeah, like, been That to trees. place is so funny, man. Right. <laughs> place is crazy. You played there at Paul one time, and Paul gave me this joint. Paul, like, makes you smoke weed with him if you're on tour. Like, you, among you, other things. Yeah, among other. I've I didn't partake Paul, in those. But. I've had Paul, you know. Oh, yeah. Shove things in my face a few times. Oh, yeah, man, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's Paul's a good human. In the, every time you say his name, it's like Voldemort, except it's the opposite. People, like, start laughing. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paul, if you're listening out there, I love you. I love you too, Miss brother. You, yeah, I love Paul, man. We're playing with Paul this weekend in Denver. Guys, whereabouts? The Ogden Theater. Nice. Yeah, man. I did two nights at the Boulder Theater with Coulter one time. Coulter's legendary. He is. He's a special man, huh? Yeah. Have you ever worked with him? Yeah, we're on the same label. We have the same manager. Cool. He's cut. We cut a song together one time. Uh, What's this, the label? Uh, the label is La Honda Records. Look oh, at this. That's his label, huh? Right. So it's our manager's label. Okay. Our manager and a woman named Collie Coningsworth. Oh, that's that's a beautiful thing, man, to share it with Coulter. Damn. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's young too. He is. It's funny. He texted me yesterday. He's like, "Hey, you prick! How old are you?" I'm like, why? He's like. Trying to settle a bet. I'm 29. I don't know who you're betting with, but yeah, uh, he's. I think he's 25 or 26. Whoa, he's my age. I met him when I met him. He was like, how does that happen? 23 or 22 or something. And he like was that. probably the same. Well, he was writing amazing songs, you know, and he already had a, a you know a great vocal style going on. Great vocal style. Yeah. he's yeah. prolific. That guy. How so? Uh, just his songwriting. He just keeps writing great songs, dude. Yeah, man, he does. Yeah. Is he writing a lot? Is that what he does? Uh, so Looks like he does He counts. doesn't ever send, uh, he doesn't send me any songs he's working on. And by the, by the you know, next thing you know, he's got a whole album written. It's like he keeps them uh, close keeps to the in. chest, I think. Oh, I like that. I like working that way. In Nashville, man, it's like, send me that voice memo of what you just did. It's like, oh, yeah. Me, I'll, I'll write a song and demo it out and send it to like, you know, a couple of buddies. I'm like, check this out. Oh. Yeah, it's good to get that kind of cr that feedback though from the folks you trust. Yeah, yeah you do yeah, need that. Yeah. Do you have a publisher or anything you work with? Uh, no, not right now. But wow. we, I was working with Downtown Publishing here yeah. in Nashville. When it rains, it pours. When it rains, it pours, baby. <laughs> See, well, man, we should we could wrap this, man. I don't want to keep you too long. This no was worries. a good hang. This was the most informal podcast I've ever done. I appreciate you stay, being a trooper. Oh, for sure, It's fun man. talking out here on the basement. Like, that's on just the On the basement patio. Yeah, brother. We got the AC leaking onto the roof. Damn. Well, I'll look forward to the show tonight, my friend. Hell yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate you, brother. Beautiful. Likewise. The art of the podcast is, is very miraculous in this specific instance because we were able to sit outside in the outdoor patio of the basement, which is a rather danky yet historic and stellar venue. And there's this leaky AC unit going on the whole time. And it's like Vincent and I still had the opportunity to be able to hit on these points that I believe will intrigue you, the listener, and curate some action in the imagination of you, the listener, and will stick with you. And I, I hope that that's what you gain from this interview. Please go check out his music. Uh, he has two records out <clears throat> on La Honda Records, Culture Wall's label. He's a brilliant writer. His show is awesome and calming. Um, it's very inclusive. He organizes music in a very realized and individualized way. Uh, I love Vincent Neil Emerson's music, and I'll be a fan for life, sincerely and truly. Uh, the new Cosmic Country album comes out on September 30th. Um, we'll hit the road as soon as I'm starting to feel better. You have nine days left uh, to pre-order the vinyl on Bandcamp. Uh, after that, uh, they're gone. There's no more. Um, I want to thank Osiris Media for hosting the Lost Highway podcast, my favorite podcast platforms of all in the cosmos. I want to thank Topo Chico for keeping us hydrated here on the Lost Highway podcast. I want to thank you, the listener, uh, for listening. And I also want to thank Tom T. Hall and, and to say a, a truly a rest in peace um, for your brief time here. You created so much. 
uh, timeless wisdom and magic for us to uh, transport with uh, through your music. Um, I think there are cosmic forces by way of human beings that hit the planet. That was just brilliant, Tom. Um, Y'all stay patient, persistent, and positive. If you're sick, if you're in good health, whatever, and keep on being the cosmic force by way of human being that you have the potential to be. And I'll see y'all down the road. Osiris.